0: Amen. Amen. Church, good morning. and Good morning to everybody at home. It is a good day to be in the house of the Lord or at home on your couch or wherever you may be. But it is a great day and we have a lot to be thankful for today. Amen. We have a lot of reasons that we should be praising His holy name. And as Kim was singing up here earlier this morning, I thought, Lord, she's giving a new meaning to raise holy hands. She had her mask on. And she, you know, I was like, Lord, look at her. she got a mask of holy hands raising up on her. And uh, I thought, you know, it's okay to, to have a laugh. It's okay to, to uh, enjoy being in the house of the Lord. Amen? And so maybe we be reminded of that each and every day. I know the Dave family has uh, got a great announcement. I'll make it for you since you didn't, uh, Billy. Uh, their son, Kevin, got engaged over the weekend. And so their family's growing. And so... um. Amen. So you'll be buying more Christmas presents now. And, uh, and so, I saw that. His OCD kicked, kicked in and they had to add some extra, extra stuff. So, amen. Praise God for that. Pray that you have your Bible with you this morning and in, in your sermon outline. This is going to be an interactive sermon outline, so bear with me. I mean, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Amen. And we need to be reminded of the things that we have to be thankful for. We need to be reminded to praise God even during a pandemic. Amen. And so may our hearts rejoice. May our hearts be open this morning to God's word. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 is the title of the sermon this morning. Embrace God's Will. Now, one of the most or well, one of the most popular questions that I hear from Christians is this. What is God's will for my my life? Now, this question is often asked because we're inquisitive people, right? We want to know where to go to college. We want to know who to date. We want to know who to marry. We want to know, well, what career path should I choose? Where should I go to church? Should I get involved? Should I be mission-minded? And there's many more questions concerning God's will that that we ask. And so for many people... Figuring out God's will is like trying to solve an unsolvable crossword puzzle. It's like trying to find the end of a maze that doesn't exist. And I think sometimes we as Christians, we fall into this trap in which we believe that we have to have a burning bush type of experience like Moses in which something supernatural has to occur in front of our eyes so we know for sure that we're doing God's what? That we're doing God's will. But then I started thinking this week, and I thought, this thought came to him. I said, Lord, are we missing the, po- the point? Are we missing the boat? I want you to listen to a quote from Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, which I know many people have read. And he says this, he says the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. Your peace of mind or even your happiness is far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. And listen, Rick Warren didn't just come up with this thinking on his own. Oh, no, no, no. I want you to listen to what Colossians 3.16 says very quickly. For by him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things are created by him and for him. And so church, this got me thinking. Instead of asking what is God's will for my life, maybe we should be asking this. Am I actively engaged in doing God's will? Am I actively engaged in doing God's will? In our scripture this morning, you're going to see the Apostle Paul. And he's instructing these Christians in Thessalonica to be living a life that's constantly characterizing a life aligned with God's active and present Will And so I, praise, I pray this morning as we work through this, because listen, I know there's people in our audience, there's people watching at home. You're going through this each and every day. You're asking, Lord, what is your will for my what? For my life. But here's the problem. Here's what we lack. We lack God. Am I actively engaging in your what? In your will for my life. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Just a few short verses. Listen to these words, church. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. What? Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this moment to be here, God. We thank you for the music that's already stirred our hearts, Lord. Father, I know there's a lot of things on the mind of our church, on our congregation. Father, this has been a a trying year, and, and it's still not over. But Father, may we be reminded that even through the days that we're living in, Lord, you are still Lord of Lords. Father, you still are the Prince of Peace. Father, you still are the Alpha and the Omega. You are our Creator and our Sustainer, and you are worthy to be praised. And so, Father, I pray this morning as people are here, people watching at home, Father, may we be reminded that no matter what we're living in, no matter what we're living through, God, you are still worthy of our praises. And there's so many things, God, that we should be thankful for. And so, Lord, as we talk about embracing your will this morning, Father, help us have open hearts and open minds. Lord, that people will be moved, hearts will be stirred. And, Father, we'll see your church grow. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. Christian author and pastor David Platt said the following about God's will. I found this interesting. He said, his ultimate concern is not to get you from point A to, to point B, along the quickest, easiest, smoothest, and clearest route possible. Instead, his ultimate concern is that you and I would know him deeply as we trust him more completely. So how do we stay actively engaged in God's will in which our relationship with Christ is going to deepen? Well, the Apostle Paul explained this to the Christians in Thessalonica, God's will for their lives, talking about three reoccurring activities that's going to help us embrace God's will individually and corporately. And it begins with this one, number one. You guys ready back there? Embrace God's will with an ever-present what? Joy. Embrace God's will for your life with an ever-present joy. Joy. Now it's oftentimes hard to imagine how a church like Thessalonica would find joy in times of persecution and in times of tribulation in the early days of the Christian church. But that's exactly what they did. That's what they did. And in spite of their trials and in spite of their tribulation, their joy was not taken. Their joy was not stolen. So let me ask you this, how can we live a life of ever-present joy? Cuz listen church, I know many people right now are having a very difficult time producing what? Joy. We're struggling, we're frustrated, we're we're angry. There's depression, there's anxiety, there's fears, there's all of these things that that we're living in and we're praying every day, God help, God change things, God cure things, God move in a a great way and then we forget, but God, you tell us no matter what we're going through in life that we should have what? Ever-present joy. To have it, God, so people can see it. So people can experience it. How do we do it? Well, I believe we've got to have a plan. And I believe it's got to be a plan that, that, that is just the opposite of the Grinch. How many of y'all already watched it? Don't lie. Don't lie. I guarantee you, some of y'all, raise your hands if y'all, there it comes. There's a few, there, there's a few honest people in, in the congregation, all right? So we've got to have a plan. So think about this. Here's the Grinch. He says, the nerve of those who's inviting me down there on such short notice. Even if I wanted to go, my schedule won't allow it. At four o'clock, I wallow in self pity. At four thirty, I stare into the abyss. At five o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. Five thirty, jazzercise. Six thirty, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. Seven o'clock, wrestle with my self loathing. I'm booked. Of course, if I bump loathing to nine, I could still be done in time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling, and sleep slowly into madness. But what would I wear? The Grinch was the Grinch because he practiced his art of negativity daily. It was enriched in who he was and in his thought process and his action and his schedule. So here's what I want us to remember as we strive to live in continuous joy. And this is on your sermon outline. You ready? Number one, remember this. Remember that joy is produced by the Spirit that lives in who? That lives in you. Joy is produced by the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? J O Why? It's joy. And so if the Spirit isn't present, then the fruit of the joy through Jesus is not going to be what? It's not going to be present. Now listen, church, I'm not saying that you won't be able to produce some joy. But there's a huge difference between the joy that we produce on our own and the joy that the Spirit produces in the life of a believer. Amen? There's a huge, huge difference. And let me tell you, here's how this joy goes in the life of someone that don't have Jesus Christ. It goes like this. Well, that new car will bring me a little bit of what? That new house will bring me a little bit of what? That new relationship will bring me a little bit of what? That new raise will bring me a little bit of what? That new boat will bring me a little bit of what that new raise that new camper that new trailer that'll bring me a little bit of what and then it goes and now oh well now I've lost my joy in that trailer now I've lost my joy in that truck now I've lost the joy in that new home because I got to pay for it amen now I lost the joy in that $65,000 truck that I just bought because I got to pay for it and so what happens is we keep manufacturing thinking well well five years from now I'll purchase more joy I'll get done with that 30-year note, and I'll purchase more joy. And we just keep trying to purchase and purchase and purchase, and it leads us from one to what? The next, and we just never feel content. That's what happens when you don't have Jesus in your life. That's what happens. And then number two, remember that joy isn't self-centered, but it's what? It's it's others. It's others' centered Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice with those who... Rejoice. We're rejoicing with Billy and his family because their son just got what? He just got engaged. So we rejoice with them. We're thankful with them. We want to praise God with them. People starting new jobs, people having babies. There's babies coming in our church. I know Allie's expected in March and Jake. So we'll rejoice with them. That's what we do. Lift up each other, encourage each other. A lot of times people say, well, if it ain't something in my life, then I'm not going to be happy for you. Well, that's called selfishness, is what that's called. Our joy as Christians is others-centered. And one of the biggest joys we get in this life is we have the opportunity to be joyful with others, whether if it's a new believer, whether if it's a baptism... A graduation, a birthday, anniversary, new job, showing the heart of joy to others means we are encouraging others to do the same. Amen. How many people teaching their kids rejoice with others as they rejoice? Are we teaching our children that? Rejoice with others. And then number three, remember the joy is also found in our future what? It's found in our future hope. Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Someone once said, Joy is a choice based on being content regardless of circumstances. Understanding what encourages joy in your life can help you cultivate it and build up your resources for when circumstances are difficult. How many of us have been enduring difficult circumstances? We all know. I have a teenager that plays high school athletics. We've pushed basketball back now till the first of January. You think I was very joyful about that announcement? No, but I'll tell you what I am joyful for. I have a family. I have a church family. I'm, I'm up and I'm breathing. I'm able to live life, and I can't let all my joy be in something that's in that realm and not the future and not the focus of everything that we do. Amen. There's joy that is all. It's all around us. And there's no denying. there's times in our lives when joy is hard to find. But let me remind each of us of this church, hear this: There's no disease. There's no sickness, there's no dire situation, there's no terror, there's no depth that can compare what awaits us in heaven. Amen? So no matter what happens in this life, we are a winner no matter what. No matter what happens in this life, we are a winner because we know that our hope is not found in this world, but our hope is found in our future. It's found to be in the presence of God. Our maker, our creator, our savior, our sustainer. And then secondly, we need to do this. Embrace God's will by being in constant what? Notice it doesn't just say prayer, but it says what kind of prayer? We're talking about a constant prayer. In the second verse, Paul says at Thessalonians, we we always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers in chapter 1. And for some reason, many Christians struggle with prayer. Now, I'm not sure if we struggle because we're unaware of, of the power of prayer or if we're unaware of the purpose. But prayer is just like Bible study, worship, and service. It gives us opportunities to draw closer with Jesus Christ on a daily Basis, he inbounds, once said, he said, prayer is the greatest of all forces because it honors God and brings him into active aid. How many of you all have been praying lately? I know that sounds redundant, doesn't it? For some of us, God has given us this time to slow us down a little bit, hasn't he? For some of us, God's given us this time for us to remember who he is. For some of us, God's given us this time that says, you know what? This is out of our hands. And so, God, we need you to step what? We need you, Lord. God, we need you. Give men and women the opportunity and the brain power to find a cure. Give our doctors and our nurses opportunities to find cures. Father, be with our hospitals. Be with our frontline workers. Be with our essential workers. Be with our teachers. Be with our policemen and our firefighters and our EMTs. Lord, be with us because, Father, we need you now more than what? More than ever, God. Prayer. And I'm going to share with you quick points about our prayer life. You ready? Number one is this. Prayers are personal. Personal approach to God it's our personal approach to God if you notice the Lord's prayer begins in this manner you ready it says this then is how you should pray our father in what in heaven who is the prayer directed to our father where is our father at he's in heaven he's our personal savior so see you and I we have an open communication between the Father in heaven at any moment that we what? That we choose. We don't have to make appointments. We, we don't have to check His schedule. All we got to do is go to prayer and the Maker of all, the Savior of all, the Sustainer of all is listening to you and me. Don't believe me? Listen to this, 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayers. If you are in Jesus, then you are of the righteous. Amen? You are of the righteous. And then number two, prayer is also to be done in what? It's to be done in private. We realize this, church, right? It's to be done in private, Matthew 6.6. 6, but when you pray, go in your room, close the door, and pray to the Father. Who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you want to have a serious conversation with another, it typically takes place behind closed what? Away from all the what? The distractions. And when we enter our prayer room, it's us pouring our hearts out to God as we speak one-on-one with the Father. It's to be done in private, but we're not done. Number three, prayer is also a part of what? It's also a part of this. Prayer is also a part of corporate worship. Acts 2.42 reminds us the church exploded by thousands. After Peter's sermons, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship and the breaking of bread. And they devoted themselves to what? Prayer. There were five young college students spending a day a Sunday over in London. So they went to hear the famed C.H. Spurgeon preach one Sunday. So as they were waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man. He said, gentlemen, he said, let me show you around. Would you like to see the heating plant of the church? Now they really weren't particularly interested for it was a hot day in July. So if somebody says, hey, you want to see the heating department of the church on a hot day of July, you don't get real excited. But they didn't want to offend the stranger, so they consented. They were taken down a stairway, a door that was quietly open, and their guide whispered, This is our heating plant. Surprised, the students saw 700 people bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin in the auditorium above. And softly closing the door, the gentleman that introduced himself It was none other than Charles Spurgeon. The heating plant of the church was people bowed down in what? Together. In what? In prayer. Church, listen to me. Don't ever feel that you cannot come and pray on a Sunday morning. Don't ever feel like, well, Lord, they're going to make fun of me, or Father, they're going to think there's something wrong in my life. Well, there's something wrong in all of our lives, amen? None of us are perfect. When God gives us opportunities to come and pray with our brothers and our sisters in Christ, take advantage of it, amen? Take the opportunity to come and to pray, to give Him thanks, to give Him praise. Maybe there's something on your heart, something on your mind. Maybe it's your family. Maybe you're being an intercessor for someone else. But I promise you this, you and everyone else here always needs prayer. Amen? We need it. And then thirdly, we need to embrace God's will by always expressing an uh, attitude of what? An attitude of Gratitude the apostle paul frequently expresses thanks for the churches in which he had written and typically three individual types of things can be seen through his letters which help us in our most difficult time and so number 1 i want you to always be thankful for your what for your faith always be thankful that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews eleven sixteen, And without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Without faith, what do we have? What do we have? If, if, if God took it all away today, If you went home today and the home was gone, if you went home today and the job was gone, if you went home today and and the checkbook was gone and the purse was gone and the wallet was gone and the bank accounts were gone and the retirement homes and retirement plans, if it was all gone today, what would you have left? Your what? You'd have your faith. And then two, always be thankful for the opportunity to what? See, a lot of folks are not here. A lot of folks are not there. A lot of folks are, are in, this, in this dream reality of, Lord, well, I need an epiphany. Father, I need you to do something supernatural to tell me where I should be what? Where I should be serving. But listen to me, you don't need a supernatural occurrence for God to tell you where to be serving. Amen? Amen? And this is why I tell you we're getting this wrong. Quit asking God, well, Lord, well, Lord, I'm just looking, Father. I'm just praying. I just need this supernatural occurrence. No, listen to me. Just embrace it. Amen? Just do God's will. Embrace God's will. Be active in God's will. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in what? It's not in vain. Church, I'm gonna ask you something real quickly. Are you ready? And a lot of people don't like answering this, but I'm gonna ask you anyway. How are you serving God? How are you personally serving the Lord? Because I will tell you this. He's given you opportunities every day. And for so many people, this is what they think. Well, I'm, I'm here, Brother Donnie. I, I'm here. I'm in a pew. That's, that's me serving the Lord. Okay, I'm with you. But that's you worshiping the Lord. Amen? We're praising God. How are you serving God? What are you doing to serve the Lord? Because listen to me. To serve the Lord means you're serving who? Others. And so many people, well, I'm caught up in me. I'm. I'm this, this is my life. I want people to serve who? I want people to serve me, God. That's, that's what I want, Lord. I want somebody to meet my needs and I want somebody to, to do for me. And God, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. But God says, pick up your cross and follow me? What are you doing? And you know, I'll be honest with you. I think so many Christians today are so sad because they're not serving God. I think people are not finding joy in their life because they're not finding some way to serve who? To serve God. Pray about that. Ask God for opportunities. And then number three, always be thankful for who? When's the last time you come to church and told somebody, you know, I'm so thankful for you. When's the last time that you did that? Now, I know we haven't shaken hands in eight months. We probably haven't hugged each other in eight months. We've been socially distancing, wearing our masks, jumping in and jumping out. Amen, that's what we've been doing. But when is the last time you looked at somebody, and I don't even talk about your spouse, but when's the last time that you looked at somebody in the church and you said, you know, brother, sister, I am so thankful for you. When is the last time that you did that? 2 Thessalonians says we ought to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more in the love every one of you has for each other. It's increasing. I've often said that our love for God is going to be a reflection of our love for others. First John, we were given this command, whoever loves God has got to also love his brother. So in a world that seems to be divided by hate and self-righteousness, our children, this world needs to see the love of Jesus now more than ever. So are we thankful for who? For one another. Are we thankful? Church, hear me, everybody's always going to be searching for God's will. People are always going to be looking. But God says my will for you in Christ Jesus is that you're always joyful, that you're always praying, and that you're always being thankful. Let me ask you this morning, does that sound like us? Does that sound like you? God's will it doesn't have to be a puzzle. It doesn't have to be a Rubik's Cube. It doesn't have to be a maze. It doesn't have to be a crossword puzzle. Because according to Scripture, it's inside of us, and it's right in what? In front of us. So let's answer this question together right now. Are you ready? Am I actively engaged in embracing God's will? Are we? Rick Warren said you were made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life is never going to make sense. With Thanksgiving just, what, roughly four days away, is it not? Isn't it time that we started to make sense of this life? Isn't it? Maybe this morning you need your joy renewed. Maybe this morning you need to renew your prayer life. Maybe this morning you need to come and and give thanks to the Lord for for all of His blessings and and all the things that He's done in your life. Because listen, it's easy to wallow in the pit It is easy to wallow in agony. It's easy to wallow in grief. It's easy to wallow in anxiety. But God says, come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. Come to me. Quit, Quit asking so many questions and just come and be joyful. Just come and pray. Just come and be thankful for one another. Just come and be thankful for all that I do. Let me ask you something real quick. You ready? What's God got to do for you to make you this way? Haven't you already been saved? Doesn't the Holy Spirit already live in you? Now, if you've never been saved, I understand it. But for those of us in here that claim to be Christians, church, let me ask you, is that who we are right now? Are we joyful? Are we thankful? Are we praying? Is this who we are? In four days, whether you meet with family or whether you decided that you're staying at home, people are going to be watching you. People are going to be looking at you. Miss Judy came through the door this morning. We met right out here eye to eye. She said, Brother Donnie, how are you this morning? I said, Miss Judy, I'm staying positive. And she said, Brother Donnie, we have to. We have to. Man. Maybe this morning you just want to come and pray and open up your heart to God. Maybe this morning there has been just so much that's been going on in your life. You've just become numb and stale. And you need to come and pray, Lord, do something in me. Or maybe you just need to come this morning and say, God, I know this is not who I've been. I've been difficult. I've been hard. I've been stubborn. And Lord, I'm tired of that. I'm done with that. And so whatever it is that's on your heart this morning, as Billy comes and we we sing and we praise God, wow, this is your day. This is your moment to come and to pray and to give thanks. Will you stand this morning as we sing?